So we took a, a short break and we're back with uh, a very interesting panel. Our panel now will uh, focus on shipping in the post-COVID-19 era. Has the pandemic brought changes that will stay? We have with us uh, a, a panel of uh, five principals who are going to be discussing the topic. And uh, we have live from Hong Kong, Benjamin Wong, who is the head of transport uh, and industry. Uh, Benjamin has been a great friend and supporter of Capitaling, and of course, he's a global statesman for the industry. Uh, and we're delighted that he's going to moderate this panel out of Hong Kong. I will let you introduce our panelists and uh, take over. And thank you to all of you for being with us. Uh, tremendous to, to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, Nicholas. Um, it's great to be uh, with Capitaling again. Um, always with very high quality and very interesting panelists and also audience. Uh, now, um, it's my honor to uh, moderate this panel uh, with uh, all the panelists uh, being Greek. Um, so I will go through um, uh, the name briefly uh, first, and then uh, later when we have the discussion, uh, please um, each of um, the panelists please um, uh, give a brief introduction uh, of you yourself and also the company. Uh, now we have um, uh, Jerry from uh, Capital Product Partners. Uh, also, Mary Lee uh, from Franco Campania Naviera, uh, and then John Michael uh, from Good Bulk and also Sea Transport Maritime, and Calypso uh, from AM Nomicos, and also Stamatis uh, from Sea uh, Energy Maritime. Uh, now, uh, before the um, actual uh, session launched, we were talking about um, uh, uh, actually I, the last time I was in Greek in Athens was actually in February uh, this year, uh, my last trip out of uh, Hong Kong actually, and uh, I always say um, Greek and also Chinese we share uh, a lot of commonality uh, from the ancient history to philosophers um, to now uh, long dinners and also wine and. Um, uh, I cannot forget uh, about the Uzo and also Kios Mastiha, uh, uh, those fantastic. Uh, now, um, so enough of that, so I will jump into the question and I would like to start with uh, Mary Lee. Uh, now, um, one very hot topic for the crew change. Uh, now, uh, IMO uh, mentioned that there are 400,000 crews out there in the sea being stuck even after their contract's over. And then we also have another 400,000 uh, onshore waiting to be on board of the ships. And of course, um, those that are stuck on board, they are stressed mentally. And then those that are stuck onshore, they are stressed uh, financially. Uh, so I would like to uh, ask, um, uh, Lee, as a Greek ship owner, how do you cope with the crew changes um, these days? And um, do you have any need for additional safety measures? And on the safety measures, um, do you see them uh, staying on after the pandemic is over? Please, Mary. So hello, good morning or good afternoon to everyone. And thank you for uh, this invitation and this opportunity uh, to join uh, the panel and this uh, capital forum. Um, I'll speak a bit louder, please. A bit louder. Okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay. So I thank oh. everyone and uh, you, Nico, for inviting me in this panel. And uh, I will uh, introduce our company, Franco Compania Napiera, uh, that is a family ship management company. And it was founded by my father in, back in 1948. It is headed today by, by Brother Nicholas, who is the CEO, and myself, the, the managing director. 
Franco Compania Naviera uh, operates uh, in the dry bulk sector. And although uh, in the past uh, we have operated in other sectors as well. And uh, Franco manages uh, vessels for the family, for uh, joint ventures to which the family has, uh, um, uh, has created in the past and at the present. And um, we also uh, have, uh, we provide a platform uh, for uh, ship management uh, covering a full scope of uh, technical and uh, commercial services. So that's, uh, that's it about the company. So uh, regarding the, the crew changes, the huge, tremendous problem that uh, we all faced these last few months, um, I will. Uh, I think I will give you the short version because the the larger version is uh, is an ongoing uh, huge issue for uh, everyone involved. So our short version uh, is that uh, we uh, we realized that we were going to face problems with the mobility of our crew pretty early on, um, and we we focused uh, at the time not exactly knowing what was happening and what was going to happen. Uh, we focused and uh, uh, tried to uh, check and monitor the, the contracts the, uh, to see uh, what uh, contracts were overdue. And we prioritized the necessities, we prioritized the seafarers uh, who had to leave the vessels um, as soon as, uh, as possible and try to cope with that. Uh, although we, we focus very much on that, although we never imagined the, um, the magnitude of the problem. So um, then we, we had uh, we had a, the debates and question marks whether we should uh, introduce uh, in the vessels uh, test kits, uh, uh, or not, uh, we finally decided not to provide the vessels with test kits. We, uh, we enhanced very much the communication, and this is uh, key here, I believe. Uh, the communication was continuous uh, with the vessels. Uh, the impact on, on the seafarers and on the company uh, crew department uh, was tremendous, and uh, uh, same thing is for all crew departments, but uh, I, I must say that uh, uh, at, at times it was very, very difficult because uh, they really had to face um, tremendous difficulties everywhere and the deadlocks uh, all the time. Uh, so regarding what else we did, uh, we, we uh, trying to find out what the necessities really were. We, we understood that the number one priority was communication with the families uh, ashore. So we provided uh, free uh, internet. We provided them, we provided them more recreational amenities because also taking into consideration that um, they, 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 could, they were deprived of the privilege of, of going ashore. Um, we added uh, a lot having uh, cooperated with the telemedicine 24-7 company, we provided more, um, uh, more medicine, pharmaceuticals, and trying to foresee whatever would go wrong, um, and, and 
trying also to, to make sure that uh, we could deal with whatever possible on board, given that um, they couldn't go, they, given that there was a big possibility that they couldn't uh, go ashore in case of a medical problem. Um, we had a handbook, and I, I won't go into the details of what the COVID handbook had, but it was pretty, pretty much detailed with procedures, guidelines, changes uh, in case of, of uh, casualty and when other people came on board, when the, um, the shore, the, uh, the seafarers would have how they had to prepare to come on board. Um, et cetera, et cetera. And we arrived at uh, around the end of May when we managed to do our first uh, changeover uh, with uh, tremendous um, difficulty, uh, but we managed. And uh, having gone through that and having done a few other changes meanwhile, we arrived at the June, July, where we thought we had seen it all. But a little did we know because we had we saw the vessel in time, so we had to deliver a vessel uh, end of July, and uh, this is uh, where we, we really learned to expect the unexpected, mm. uh, and it, it was uh, it was unbelievable what what was happening from day to day, and in the last uh, as the weeks went by, and we actually had to to deliver the vessel, uh, we had to. We had to change three times um, the delivery place, uh, as uh, it was meant to be in Singapore. Uh, then Singapore closed. Then uh, we were preparing for Hong Kong, and just 24 hours before uh, reaching Hong Kong, we find out that uh, Hong Kong uh, closes uh, closes down. Uh, so we had to uh, go to Manila, the Philippines, and, and there again. Uh, Again, it was a battle all over the place because uh, everyone was going to money. So um, I, I really don't think I should uh, spend any more of your time on that. But uh, I just want to uh, to add and in answer to your question, uh, Benjamin, uh, say that um, what uh, what I think amazes everyone is the uh, although there was uh, such a coordination, because I, I needed to say that during all these months and from very early on, there was a big uh, uh, there was a big communication and information feedback given from the companies and from uh, the, for instance, the Shipowners Association, the UGS, the Greek Shipowners Association, the Maltese Shipowners Association. Um, to EXA and from EXA, the European Community Shipowners Association, to the European Union to try to coordinate and try to make them understand the magnitude of the problem. So, Intercargo as well, I, I, I must say that, and, and other organizations. So, it, it's, uh, it's unbelievable to see how, although all these organizations cooperated, exchange information, tried the very best to inform, uh, to inform uh, the, the European Union. There was awareness by, I think, June, July, um, there definitely was awareness and there was media coverage. Uh, even the Pope uh, 
gave a speech on, 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 the, on this huge problem. And it's a matter of basic human rights, basic workers' rights. Uh, these people were deprived of their rights. And we didn't have the, the help needed due to inaction and lack of coordination of, of the states. Uh, it, it always was a very big problem in the Far East. He, um, key countries like uh, like uh, Japan, uh, sorry, no, like uh, Australia, like uh, Canada, like South Africa, also uh, were very difficult uh, to, um, to 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 do the changes there or to give the help needed for the preparation. The embassies were closed, uh, or if they were open, they they needed too much time for the visas. Um, so uh, this inaction and lack of coordination of, of the governments, uh, which I think in Europe, it was the first uh, area where it, it became uh, more feasible and easier to perform through changes. Uh, so one wonders why and what can be done about that. I don't know. And uh, although I, I said the short version, I think I, I talked too much. Um, very quickly, I would just say that some of these changes affected by the companies and bio companies, I think are there to check to stay, like the uh, communication. Um, some will probably uh, not stay. Um, I forgot also to, to, to mention that I think uh, a very, very important uh, issue here was the the uh, the trust and the, uh, the good captains that we had uh, that we managed to really manage the problem and uh, deal with difficult situation and not have mental health issues which again I didn't mention that there's so much uh, which I didn't mention but is a very very major issue uh, that. Uh, presented itself. I understand that the, the, the amount of suicide has gone up uh, two or three times uh, during these days. I think we have to stop. Thank Thanks, Amarili. Uh, I totally agree with you that all the parties have to work together to come up with a solution. Um, and um, uh, a few months ago, uh, we relaxed the crew change uh, restrictions, um, and uh, but then the um, cases started um, to come in, and then we had to um, tighten it again. Uh, but I assure you that the government, actually uh, the port authority, is uh, looking at the situation and um, try to do necessary adjustments. Um, so uh, hopefully, um, uh, with time, then actually we will be able to uh, have uh, different parties um, to be more uh, conducive in terms of the uh, crew change. Now, um, we've covered the um, soft asset of the shipping industry. Uh, now I would like to switch to the hard assets, uh, the vessels, um, and very expensive ones. Um, yesterday, I was having lunch with a uh, ship owner here in Hong Kong, and he's talking about um, the new buildings underway in Japan. And obviously, uh, he is not able to send over um, the uh, uh, shipbuilding and also technical people over there to the uh, shipyard over there in Japan. Um, so he has to engage local consultants over there to help them to uh, manage the process. So now I would like to switch to uh, Calypso. Uh, now for you, actually, uh, with the situation, 
then uh, how do you manage, for example, new building dimensions or technical inspection of uh, your ships? And uh, whether, for example, the use of technology, would it be useful or uh, are you using them to help with the process? Well, uh, let me first of all introduce the company. We are yes, AM Nomicos Transworld Maritime Agencies, a company established by our parents uh, in the 1950s. Uh, at the moment, I'm chairman of the company with my brother Marcos being the CEO. And we have the third generation on board, uh, which is my nephew and my son. So it is a purely family business for the time being, operating dry bulk uh, carriers. We around 50 vessels, we do manage third-party vessels, and we have various joint ventures um, and small stakes in, um, in a few containers, but basically the, the, the core business is the dry bulk. Now, as to your question, I think that as Marily said, a lot is being done, or almost everything is be, being done remotely at the moment. I think for the shipping industry as such, it was not such a big hiccup or surprise because by the nature of the, of the industry, we do do a lot of things remotely. Our everyday business is ship to shore. So it just enhanced and brought uh, forward a lot of changes one would have liked to push through that sometimes meet with resistance within an organization. But in this case, they had to happen much faster. So that's as far as communication with the vessel uh, goes. On to your question on for new buildings, we did take over a new building. We had uh, our superintendents who were there, who were stuck there when, uh, when the lockdown occurred and they were on board and really, you know, it was tough for them being away for so long, but it was very helpful for us. Uh, on the other hand, there were things like the sea trials, which other, uh, somebody else would have gone from uh, from the office here, and that was conducted with uh, three-way cameras, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We had quite a few dry dockings, again using local um, local um, companies and um, guided and in constant communication with the office. We took delivery of a second-hand vessel where we had to, in order to take the delivery and the, do a virtual closing because everyone was closed, banks, et cetera, et cetera. But the major um, point here is that we took delivery of the vessel, maintaining the crew of the sellers, which entails uh, risks in other cases, but I think another point about our industry is that there's a lot of trust that has built up between 
our organization and charters, sellers, and the other parts that make up the industry. And I think this was a chance to capitalize on reputation and good name from either side. Another thing that we did do was that there was a court hearing and that was also virtual with, uh, uh, with remote cross-examination. So we've basically seen it all and we've seen that it can happen and uh, I think it can happen uh, with, um, as I said, this, uh, the two, two or three uh, um, basics of shipping, which is the trust, the good name, and um, the fact that we are a 24 seven uh, industry. So it was just, you know, full, uh, full ahead, uh, capitalizing on all these, uh, on all these things. Right. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Calypso. Uh, I think um, uh, one thing that's mentioned by you and also Marily is communication. And um, of course, uh, right now we are using the, the internet, uh, digital communication, but I think uh, shipping is a very um, people-oriented industry. So uh, hopefully um, next year we could meet with um, each other uh, in person. Um, and um, now we've covered uh, the soft asset and also the hard asset. Uh, now, of course, uh, shipping industry, actually it doesn't um, live in a vacuum. So um, there are lots of uh, uh, peripheral uh, stakeholders um, that is very important. Uh, so now I would like to switch to Jerry. Now, Jerry, um, taking a more macro view on the um, peripheral uh, stakeholders, um, for example, well, it's not peripheral, for example, charter uh, or the government, that's us, um, or for example, the union or the media, then how do you see um, the so whole situation of this? Um, uh, are you getting, um, are they, uh, are, are, are these stakeholders uh, helping in the whole situation or are they complicating the whole um, matter? Please, Jerry. Uh, thank you, Benjamin. Um, let me quickly introduce um, our company. I'm the CEO of Capital Product Partners. Uh, it comprises of uh, 13 uh, containers and one dry bulk vessel. Uh, I'm also director of uh, the Capital Maritime Group. The total group uh, consolidates a fleet of uh, just sort of 80 ships, and that's across uh, VLCCs, US Maxes, AFRAs, product tankers, uh, as well as Cape sizes, handy bulkers, post panelist containers, feeders, and LNG carriers. Um, so um, I have uh, a fairly, if you want, good overview of what's happening in cross segments. Um, and I think the conclusion overall is that uh, shipping has been left with its own devices, uh, owners uh, effectively. Um, as shipping and seafarers perform uh, a very important, a very critical role uh, in, uh, the, in global trade, um, it's the most important probably uh, chain um, uh, when it comes to delivering goods. Um, but uh, what we saw, I think, uh, over the last few months um, is that uh, despite seafarers being uh, first-line workers, uh, the same with doctors, nurses, cashiers, uh, cooks, um, without them, uh, I think many of us that were in quarantines uh, for months, uh, we wouldn't be able to, 
enjoy many of uh, the goods that we were able to, to get to our homes uh, with uh, one-click delivery, right? Uh, but I think we did live, um, I mean, uh, as societies and nations, we did leave uh, the seafarers to their own devices. Effectively, we, we the ship owners, did whatever we could. And I think Mary Lee uh, summarized very well uh, all the different challenges. Uh, we had to, we reinstated, apart from enhanced medical uh, remote uh, support, also psychological support 24 hours seven with uh, specialized people. Uh, you know, you could enhance um, uh, communication of uh, seafarers uh, to their families uh, with whatever media that you can, um, obviously enhanced pay, but in the end, uh, it did not solve the problems. Um, the governments, the media, um, authorities, I think there has been a lot of uh, talk about the issue and we have come across many articles in the press. You have seen a couple of conferences as of late, the IMO, the ITF, Sea Owners Association, but still the problem uh, very much remains today. So um, starting with the governments, firstly, there is no uniform uh, treatment uh, with regard to how they, uh, how you can rotate uh, crews uh, out of vessels. Um, so it's, it might be completely different policies uh, between uh, two countries. Um, and secondly, there might be also variation between regions or states within the same country. The ship owner or the ship manager is called upon uh, to at any given uh, time to have an exact view of what's happening. But, but I think what is even worse is that this might change uh, from one day to the next. Um, you mentioned uh, Hong Kong and uh, we had issues where we were just ballasting towards Hong Kong for crew rotation and then Hong Kong is suddenly closed. And then, for example, we had to go to another port and, um, uh, and then incur the 14 days uh, quarantine rule, which means that you had additional waiting time, not to mention uh, the cost of the ballast. So you would expect that, um, I may add, there's another a third element. There is limited international flights. So let's say that you do get um, your um, crew out um, within the specific window that um, a regional authority would give you, say, sometimes they will tell you within 24 hours you have to rotate your crews. Um, but if there's no international flight, you cannot really do it. So it's a very complex uh, logistical problem that uh, ship owners are being called to solve without any help uh, from the government because there's no stability. There is variability. And then the charters, with very few exceptions, um, they are not, they're completely unwilling to understand what the problem is and uh, chip in. Um, owners are being asked to improve the cost of the ballast, of the waiting time, uh, of the additional waiting outside the port, uh, if, um, for example, the rotation has taken place. Um, while you might actually see charters pull the rope towards the other way because you might, uh, they might at the same time require you to have uh, fresh crews, uh, seafarers uh, that have not stayed over a specific period of time on board the vessel. So uh, I think um, here all stakeholders have kind of dropped the ball. Um, ship owners have done their best. But um, I think it's a very disappointing result for the industry. Uh, it, it does so that shipping remains a fragmented industry and um, its voice is not heard. Um, and in the end, uh, I think uh, apart from the ship owners for, who, for whom it is mostly financial cost, uh, the people that actually pay the price uh, are our seafarers.
So I think going forward, uh, we have to find the voice, we have to find the processes and, um, uh, and plan for contingencies like this. I think what has happened that is very much still happening uh, is not the, the right way of doing it. Thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Uh, yes, I think um, the shipping industry uh, is uh, sometimes um, not noisy enough um, to um, to make um, to to bring the awareness to the industry, uh, no matter is uh, the situation right now or, for example, when it comes to talents. Um, so hopefully uh, with this, then we will have a change of mindset and um, the way of doing things. Uh, now, um, John Michael. Um, I was um, uh, 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 reading uh, some uh, extracts from your previous uh, 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 interviews, and there are two comments of yours, which I like uh, very much. One is, there are only two days of lockdown. One the first day and the other one is um, the last day. And then the uh, second comment is that uh, no new buildings. There are enough secondhand ships. If you need to find one, you can call me and I'll be happily selling you one. Uh, and then we can make uh, a lot of money together. So I've got two uh, comments, which I like very much. So um, I, I'm hoping that I will, I will be able to get a third one uh, this time. <laughs> but that the question will be totally irrelevant to those two comments. Uh, now, uh, on the trade routes, have the trade routes been changed as a result of the pandemic? Uh, what's your comment on that? And please uh, introduce yourself and also um, your company first. Briefly. Okay, let me introduce myself. I'm John Michael Radzivel. I'm the chairman and CEO of Sea Transport Maritime. Uh, we are commercially managing about 200 dry bulk vessels from 50,000 tonners up to 250,000 tonners, also two Suez Max tankers. We are technically managing around 50 bulk carriers. Um, uh, those ships are owned by around, uh, over 30 different entities, one of which is Good bulk and some others that I control too. So um, we we are we are we're a third party manager, but we also have um, a pretty good big, uh, big amount of skin in the game. We believe in excellent outcomes in the performance of our, of those assets, technically, operationally, commercially. Um, in our thought partnership with all of the different entities that uh, are represented by CTM in understanding how um, global macro economies and our shipping markets are working. And then in the, uh, the meaningful relationships in our strive for excellence, we really are big believers that if you have a common stride, you build, uh, you build strong relationships and those strong relationships only strengthen that uh, common strive for excellence. Um, yeah, so going to your question, have trade routes been changed as a result of the pandemic? I would say not directly. Um, trade routes are affected by supply and demand, and supply and demand has been affected by the um, by the pandemic and the measure and the um, subsequent uh, stimulus measures or economic measures taken by government as a result of that. Um, but yeah, we don't think they're um, there's a direct link, but yes, they are linked indirectly. Thank you, thank you, John Michael. Um, yes, and uh, I'll uh, go back and digest that uh, better, and then uh, maybe I can come up with a third one that I like. Thank you. Um, I'm not done then, yet. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, and now actually, I, I think uh, we should be turning um, the direction a bit to uh, looking ahead now uh, because. Um, uh, time is running out first, um, and also uh, it's always uh, good to look ahead and um, think of uh, recoveries. Now, actually, I would like to go to uh, Stamatas first. Um, 
Now, um, for the uh, pandemic, uh, most likely, obviously, we are seeing that is changing a lot of things uh, at this point of time already. Uh, but then, actually, uh, we could also expect um, the changes is going to make uh, to economies, countries, cities. Um, then, what about the changes it will be bringing to uh, the shipping industry? Uh, what in your mind that um, the changes would be? Thank you, Benjamin. Well, good morning from my side. Uh, first of all, a big thanks uh, and congratulations uh, to Nicolas Bonosis and uh, the Capital Link team that has managed to put together another virtual conference. Uh, all I can say is that I hope very, very soon that we can all be in the same room or in the same country and we can interact, have a drink and discuss real business in person instead of being in front of a camera or <laughs> like a hologram or something like that, which uh, I don't think it's so counterproductive. Uh, shipping is a business which is very capital intensive and very people intensive. And the more that you keep us away from, uh, you know, getting together, making business developments and uh, making this uh, beautiful industry even better, I think it's, um, you know, it's, it's counterproductive. But let's hope that we're all going to be, you know, getting together very, very soon. Uh, in the meantime, um, I am the chairman and CEO of Synergy Maritime Holdings. Synergy is the only US-listed uh, pure play cape size uh, company. Um, we operate, uh, as I said before, with uh, a fleet of 11 pure uh, cape size vessels. And we transport mainly iron ore and coal, which we strongly believe is going to be the driver of tomorrow's uh, infrastructure uh, demand. Um, I want to expand a little bit on John Michael's uh, statement about the global stimuli and uh, what is necessary for tomorrow's economies uh, to survive and expand. Uh, it goes without saying that uh, the world of tomorrow and the cities of tomorrow will not be the same as they are today. People cannot live in cramped spaces. Uh, as you know, Benjamin, in Hong Kong and in other big cities, you can, have, you can have tens of thousands of people living and operating in a few blocks, uh, in a few city blocks. Uh, it's going to be impossible, uh, not just uh, for the safety of, the, of themselves and the economies uh, and their families, but also for the economy itself. Which means that the world of tomorrow and the cities of tomorrow will need to expand. A huge infrastructure drive is going to take place uh, because of all this stimuli. Uh, the world will be wider and better. We will not be living in huge boxes of buildings and we will not be working in huge boxes of buildings, which means that uh, we will most likely see a very heavy infrastructure growth in housing, in development, and in expanding the world of tomorrow. It's extremely important to talk about that because right now people are still focusing in how to resolve, you know, the next day, the next week, or things like that. But what will happen if there's going to be another pandemic in five, ten years? Is the world ready to sustain another 10 trillion US dollars of damages in the global economy? I don't think so. It's only going to take a few billion dollars of infrastructure uh, growth so the world can spread out. We can be safer if we, you know, <laughs> if we're not necessarily so close to each other. Uh, we need to be close, but not that close to <laughs> spread the pandemic. So, you know, fortunately, my generation has not gone through uh, a war so much. And I'm talking about, you know, most of the people uh, attending in this kind of conferences. However, the disruption of uh, the COVID-19, aside from the very unfortunate use of uh, loss of uh, 
uh, human life. I think it's as close to a war as far as the global uh, disruption in the economies uh, are concerned. So this is it from my side and happy to expand further later on. Thank you, Stamatis. Uh, yes, you mentioned about uh, the, the global economic stimulus. And I think um, with the COVID-19, with the damage done to the global economy, for sure, all the countries and economies will be um, launching very sizable uh, recovery uh, measures for the uh, economies. Uh, now, um, I would like to throw the next, qu next question to, um, to the whole floor, to all, your, uh, all the panelists uh, on that global economic uh, stimulus. How is it going to affect um, the shipping industry? And um, now, um, of course, the uh, shipping industry actually has got a lot of different segments, uh, dry bulk tankers, uh, container. Um, so uh, please, um, uh, basing, basing that on your uh, view and also your company, your experience, um, shed some lights um, to the uh, audience out there. And uh, actually, if I may, I would also like to um, bring in the elements of the talents, no matter it is the seafarers on the, on, on the ships, or um, people that they are actually uh, with you in the office. Um, that what about the talents? Um, how you are going? Uh, how would you um, keep bringing them on? Uh, given uh, right now um, is actually horror stories out there that um, the uh, seafarers are being stuck on the, on board and all that. Um, so please, um, any volunteer for the uh, first comment? Um, I'll go. Thank you. Okay, uh, so uh, I think that there uh, the economics. So I'm going to isolate dry bulk, which is what I know something about. Um, I think uh, so. I, um, isolating that, I think that you've seen uh, the let's let's look at uh, let's look at where the big economic stimulus has been, and that's been in China. Um, and uh, off the back of that, you've seen I mean you've seen a big. Uh, move towards infrastructure uh, projects and the government issuing bonds or or um, uh, enticing banks to lend more to fuel all this. And right now, I mean, the, the, the Chinese economy, from, from what we see number wise and physically with all the ships we, that are moving in and out of there, is it's, is it's recovered. I mean, it's coming back, right? You have... Um, uh, exports growing by 9.9% month on month and imports growing by 13% month on month. Um, for us, it's really the, the it's been the iron ore, which has been the big story. The the growth in that area um, of, of Chinese iron ore imports has been pretty substantial. And I'll just I'll go one step further and kind of wrap it, uh, wrap it all wrap it all up. But um, I think to start, in my experience to start off with, if it wasn't for the Chinese economic stimulus, I mean, we would, you would be seeing Cape size rates below OPEX, right? Um, so it's had a very positive effect on the market. And I think that when other countries will start to follow in that, have already started to follow and will continue to follow because it's, it's, it's a solution that, that's, that's been effective, um, I think it will only be more beneficial for um, dry bulk shipping. Having said that, well, uh, the Chinese economy is a very big economy, right? So when other economies come back online, we can't expect the same impact, but we certainly can expect a positive impact. Thank you. Thank you, John Michael. Um, I said uh, to the floor, to all the panelists, uh, but it seems like uh, the time flies much faster. Uh, on my clock um, than reality. Um, so I think we've got only um, half of a minute left. Uh, so I don't know whether there is any panelist uh, who would like to make a very quick comments. 
I would uh, I would just say, you know, China, the energy, the clean energy, the climate change, which became obvious that uh, is affecting uh, the climate. Therefore, we need a shift to clean energy, which does require a lot of infrastructure. Something else that we saw on our vessels was that there was a lot of grain, rice, sugar, transportation back in May, about 75% had to do with that, which again, China cannot afford a, a famine that ha haunts it from the past centuries. So that is something we've seen a lot being transported, as well as the change in habits, living more at home, spending patterns. We do not spend in the restaurants, but we spend on televisions and uh, coffee machines, and I don't know what, which probably have helped uh, contain us. And just to what Jerry said about our voices not being loud enough, what I would say is that shipping is quite fragmented on the side of the owners. And I think that more consolidation, not necessarily on the asset side, but at least as far as organizations go so that we can get reach a common goal, which is good for everyone. Thank you, Calypso. And uh, I think um, um, that would be the end of our session. Um, I knew we wouldn't have enough time with um, such a great panel, uh, but I think uh, we will have uh, many other chances um, to talk um, uh, freely, um, you know, uh, over email, telephone, uh, or next year in person. So I, uh, um, this concludes our session, and uh, thanks a lot to all the panelists. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Thank Thank you, you very much for organizing it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye bye, everybody. Stay bye -bye. safe. Bye bye. <laughs>